Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here today with Rebecca Schutz. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Nancy. It's been a while. It's great to see you. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I took a a few days off, which was nice, and got some fresh air in in a mountain climate. I'll be somewhat cryptic. Um, but now we're back in the closet recording with y'all. <laughs> literally, I am in my closet once again, no longer in the in the daughter's bedroom with all the stuffed animals. I'm in the closet and hopefully I sound a little bit better. Anyway, today on the show, we are going to be talking about the future of the workplace. Joining us today is Lori Goodman-Lampson, She is the president and CEO of PDR, which is an architecture and design firm based in Houston. Now, Lori has some unique experiences designing workplaces for corporations of all types, but particularly those in the energy industry. Lori, first, welcome to Looped In. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of your company's big projects in recent years was designing the interiors for ExxonMobil when they relocated to North Houston several years ago. I mean, gosh, that was probably Houston's largest office complex when it was built, or I think it was probably the largest office complex that that was built in the country at that time. Millions of square feet of space, close to 400 acres. The space was built for 10,000 people or more. I I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today will be sort of speculation since there are so many unknowns and uncertainties about where our country is heading from an economic and and health perspective. But thinking about the Exxon campus, I'm curious, do you think we'll ever see anything like that again? Does the pandemic make the giant corporate headquarters obsolete? Such a good question, Nancy, um, and a question we've been asking, our clients have been asking, and I will say at this moment, with things still being quite uncertain with where the economy is going and how long it will take for it to get going, the answer, I guess, is I, you know, we'll we'll see. I do think the reason that campus was created, that, that we helped uh, ExxonMobil create that campus, now, um, over 10 years ago, when we started working on it, it really was to get order of magnitude, to get people together, to build community, to, to really start to shift the corporate culture into a culture of collaboration, sharing, knowledge sharing, what uh, we coined a term then uh, really to nurture collisions, the spontaneous, the serendipitous mm-hmm. chance encounters that happen. Um, because everybody's really good at planning formal meetings. In fact, in our new work-from-home experiment environment, everything is planned and formal. And what's really missing in the workday are those chance encounters, that serendipity that mm-hmm. that just happens when 
many humans are in in a common place and the sparks that fly when humans get together and the things that you talk about that you didn't intend to talk about. That's really where creativity, human creativity comes into play. And we're, we're, we're pretty desperate for it right now. So folks that are working on their return and are progressing their return to the workplace, that's one of the key things that they're looking to get back, that human energy, those chance encounters, that serendipity. And there's a lot of science around that, the magic that happens when humans get together sort of unintentionally. And so that will still be a driver in the future. Will we need it to be a driver of getting 10,000 people on one campus in the future? I will say maybe. And I think it depends on the industry and the work that you're trying to do and what it is you think you need to do. So energy is in a really tough spot right now. You probably heard the earnings reports and, you know, they're losing money for the first time in their, in their history, almost uh, definitely uh, since some major milestones, acquisitions or mergers. So they're in a world of hurt. And so they're really focused right now on efficiency and really trying to get a handle on on their costs. At the same time, they really need to be leaping into, you know, energy 2.0, I call it, like really thinking about the future of energy and inventing, innovating, and creating what's next in that industry. So have many of them come back to the office? Are they starting to come back to the office? What does that look like for that industry? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's really another interesting question. I think what we're finding is there's there's quite a bit of divergence in solutions. And if I had to sort of identify what's causing the different approaches within a very similar um, industry or market sector, it's it's where were they? Where, what what did their current state look like? How were they working? How had the, what was their strategy prior? to the pandemic. And that's really driving how they're, how they're approaching their return. So I, I'm working with two major energy companies right now, and they have completely different approaches to return to work and to the future. And what's different about them is their starting place. So for the major that has recently done a, a, a big re- reset of their strategy, they are well positioned to evolve how they use their their workplace. At, at PDR, we are big promoters of working on resi- what I call resilient workplaces. So that means flexible platforms that can evolve with the business over time because business is constantly changing. It was constantly changing prior to this pandemic. It's only accelerated. And so organizations really need their workplaces to be able to evolve and change with them. So if you were positioned well, prior to the pandemic, you probably transitioned pretty well into the work from home because you had already adopted some new mindset and behavior about collaborating and working with colleagues and building culture and community. And you translated that into the into this, this home working setting. And then you're, it's a much more fluid process for you to move back in just by changing the space use model, I call it. So just how you use those spaces has to change. You don't actually need to change the spaces. So on one hand, I've got one client that are there, they are, they are back in, in a, in a, in a, I won't even say limited capacity. It's not majority, but sort of, you know, half, half capacity and continue to add, obviously in Houston specifically with our, you know, the red alert uh, rising here, that's put the pause on some of the increasing the, the 
occupancy levels, but their intention is to get back in in their workplace and get people back together eventually. The other one that I'm working with, completely different story. And they, we were working part of the pandemic. We've been developing their strategy, but hasn't been widely implemented. And so they're officing out of, of sort of their, you know, decade old or, or more workplaces. So they are not, not returning in a major way, maybe not even until January. I, I spoke to my client last night and they indicated that it's likely January. And the difference in their approach is not only are now we rethinking the workplace, they actually have an executive committee working on rethink the way we work, like rethink everything. So they're really thinking about learning from this experiment. You know, I like to say nobody would have voluntarily sent 100% of their organization off into the remote working scenario just to see what would happen. Just, you know, just to, it wouldn't have happened, right? But now since it has happened to everyone, some organizations are really choosing to learn from it and figure out, hmm, you know, if we can trust people, we can hold people accountable, people can be responsible adults, and with tools and technology platforms, we can uh, manage remote teams, we can manage distributed work, we can still get people together, we can build, we can be productive. So on one hand, that's been proven, that, that productivity. Where the deficiencies are, are in creativity and innovation, sort of making sure that in the digital world, we can still foster creativity and innovation. The other big one that it, that concerns them is uh, sort of coaching, mentoring, and learning. So if you are, we at all levels of our career, we should be learning. But if you're an early careerist, this is a, this is really hindering your, your career development because you don't have, you don't have um, access to as many to as many people, you're not overhearing or just sort of, you know, learning by absorbing what's going on around you. It's very intentional, um, but it's really not, it's, it's slowing down the acceleration of learning. And then the third aspect is community and culture. It's just really hard on community and culture, depending again on how, what kind of community and culture you were fostering prior to, prior to this uh, pandemic. So, there, the, the, this major is really exploring how is this going to impact for the long term, how we work together, who does what kind of work, and where we need to do it. And they're considering a much more dynamic model than than many organizations that we're working with, and definitely more dynamic than any other energy company that I'm currently working with. So the dichotomy inside the industry is it's it's really wide. I think we're gonna we're going to really have to change how we, how we, you know, we do a lot of benchmarking, how we bring perspective to organizations and talking about industries. We're really going to need to talk about instances and what, what's causing, you know, why, why is that company doing it that way and a different company doing it a different way? Mm -hmm. So the company that you're referring to, this is an energy company that is looking at doing things very differently. Can you Share any examples of the kinds of things that they're talking about. Is it just certain departments working remotely or, you know, what kind of reduction in space are, are they thinking about taking? And also, you know, I imagine a lot of companies would be reducing their space if they could right now. Sure. But they have five years left on their lease or sure. 10 years left on their lease. And, and you know, that's probably a good, a good 
conversation for for some for some leasing brokers and some landlords. <laughs> you know, but but what are you what are you hearing around that? Um, around you know, do you have any clients that have come to you and said, "Hey, we're going to try and negotiate something with our landlord to to reduce our space. Would you give us a some sort of mock up or scenario?" Yes. So that's kind of two questions, I think, in yeah. one. But. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a more complex world in terms of your real estate portfolio and what decisions you need to make about it. To answer your first question about what's being considered for this one uh, major that I mentioned, absolutely everything is on the table. So new work from home, remote working policies, new travel policies. It is it is corporation wide, not specific to a type of work. And I will say that over the last couple of months, there's been an evolution in thinking. And so the other thing that we have observed is there's sort of the 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 initial reaction or the what I like to say is the the first thing we want to try to solve is the mathematical equation of how much space could I reduce if I left 25%, I'm making up the figure, 25% of the workforce in a homeworking scenario. Does that equate to 25% reduction in real estate? You could start to do the math, how much money you could save, et cetera. So that was sort of the initial thinking. As time goes on, I think organizations are exploring the possibilities of a much more dynamic and fluid, uh, you know, everybody kind of curates their own adventure of how they use the workplace, how they use their home office, how they use a third place or a client site. So this organization is considering a, a very dynamic. Um, some I'm working with a, two different consulting engineering firms right now. Uh, one is considering what they call a hybrid workplace. When, and what they mean by that is in the office and out of the office at the home mm-hmm. uh, across the globe. They've got 25 locations around the globe. And so they're thinking about the far future. You know, I had a client say to me last night, like, we're not trying to solve the problem right in front of our bumper. And he means... The, how would we return to the office while we're still, you know, pre-vaccine of a very, a very scary virus? And th- there are some very tactical things that we would need to do to solve for that. They're really working on this, the long-term future. What, what does the future of work and workplace look like uh, beyond a pandemic? And we're, we're focused on, on that. In terms of space reduction, because of the business climate we're in, capital is so incredibly constrained and cash preservation is top of mind. I think that is also accelerating the space reduction uh, pursuit. But what's also happening is organizations are realizing that this one-for-one, one office for one individual is perhaps not no longer necessary. And depending again on where your current state was, what's really important are, you know, innovation hubs and community hubs and places to get people together at some point without as much fear as we have currently for that innovative and collaborative work to happen. And while we will still need individual places to work in the in the workplace, maybe not as many and not mapped to every individual. So the I, I think the initial realization was, well, if people can work from home, we can just leave people at home. Well, this situation is not working well for everybody. Everybody's home situation is completely unique. And if you're sitting at home with school-aged children and and a working spouse and or in a tiny apartment, I mean, it, you may need to flee your home working setting just to get your focus work done. So there's this assumption that we can focus at home and we can collaborate in the office. And that, again, that's not true for every individual. 
So what's really happening, what I'm super excited about that's happening right now is we're becoming much more human-focused, human-centered, people-first, individual people, not groups of people, not work types. So because we're realizing it really is individual. Everybody's day in the life is completely unique. And we really need to start planning for that, thinking about that, planning our work around that, and then planning our workplaces to accommodate that level of individuality. And that's super exciting for a you know, a consulting design firm that wants to help you solve what's the real problem and then design it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's like an interesting dynamic where now that we're all working from home, it's like, well, that can be part of the menu of options yes. um, in the workplace. But if you're really going to take advantage of people sometimes working from home in order to reduce your footprint, you're going to need more collaborative settings, which we haven't progressed to yet. Like there's sort of a tension between these two things right now that either, you know, the safety concerns are addressed and we can really collaborate and that could shrink footprints or I don't know what the other option is um, or we continue like today. I I think it's a good point, Rebecca. I think how we collaborate will be under kind of under development in the Mm -hmm. future and certainly focused on meaningful collaborations, perhaps Mm -hmm. less formal meetings with 20 people crammed into a conference room and more sort of working incubation type group settings where we're getting our thinking out on the walls or, or with, with um, products. So I think this uh, constant, some remote, I mean, there's a few things that we're considering that, you know, at least one person will not be physically with you, even if we're able to be physically with you. So everything we create needs to allow for that a person to remote in via some technology, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You know, back in February, the way we did that was we put you on a speakerphone and then we forgot you were there. You know, we ignored you because those of us in the room were focused on those of us in the room, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're very intentional about everybody's got their video on. We make sure everybody is doing fine. Uh, everybody's engaged. So that new behavior will translate into the physical environment and we'll constantly be aware of those that are virtually with us, um, if not, if they are not physically with us. Mm. I do think lots of changes. I think in the repurposing of space, that's another thing is when you've got more real estate than you need, there's an opportunity to repurpose it for the kinds of the things that you need, which may result in a net, net zero in terms of your, your footprint, depending on your current state, but also may result in a net reduction of your real estate. I think we're just going to be so much more purposeful about what we have, why we have it, what it needs to do for us to move an organization forward. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any other interesting patterns or new patterns from different industries out there? The legal industry has always been sort of a one person, one office. Yes. Kind of um, had, had that kind of layout. Now, I think all those folks are are either working from their home offices or um, or have started going back into work. Anything from that sector, or mm-hmm. or even the financial sector, or the creative sector, really anything anything else that you've seen? I'd love to hear kind of what you've what you've heard. Sure, totally. So um, we're working with a couple of law firms right now. Again, what's interesting is where did where did they start? One that was completely unprepared to go into a remote, a remote setting. Literally, no laptops. Uh, oh you know, wow! You know, no portable technology. They went 
to Best Buy and had to buy laptops for their for their employees to send them home to work. Right. So, and we were working, we were right in the middle of, of beginning a project to move, move, move them into space. And during that process, weren't really preparing for remote work one for one, kind of the way it's always been just an updated version of, you know, what I'll call a traditional law, law firm office. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, this reset everything for them. So once they, you know, it took them a couple of weeks to kind of get up and standing and ready to go. And then they wanted to talk about how does this influence the project we had just started and the plans we were were doing. And they agreed they needed to be more agile and nimble and take advantage of, of this um, situation. Still offices for attorneys, but planning to use them in a much more fluid, much more fluid way. Another firm that's, you know, didn't miss a beat, a large, much larger firm, didn't miss a beat going to the remote setting, but wouldn't have considered anything other than an office for every attorney. You know, they have very few, traditional law firms have very few people that don't work in an office. And now what they really want is maximum flexibility so that they can decide how to use what they need when they need it over time. So they sign, you know, sign very long leases. So they are still considering offices. They're just questioning how many do they need? Do they all need to be assigned to, to an individual? The attorneys are quite, they're thriving working in the, in the homework setting. They're not really having a lot of the issues that some of the other, other industries are, are challenged with. But they are considering, and they're very much focused on the experience, creating both an employee experience and a client, you know, visitor experience. So they've sort of amped up their thinking about how to address the experience of being in the office to get at that community and culture, the training, the onboarding, the mentoring, the the togetherness. What does that look like? So you're saying they're not thinking one-to-one offices, maybe? They might have some, like... it's. Workstations. It would be more of a if everybody's not going to be here every day, do I need to assign every individual a place or could there be shared offices that when I'm there, you know, I, I select one of the, the few shared offices. It takes the, you know, ownership away from the from the, the physical room, turns it into a shared, a shared place to work. Okay. And it's early days, so it's 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 yeah. a consideration. But for the law industry, your point, Nancy, for the law industry, it's something that wouldn't have been considered, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year. I mean, this we're just learning so much from, I call it the great work from home experiment. And really, we try to start every engagement with with a real deep understanding of the organization, where it is, where it's trying to go, and get really good data around that would drive our decision making, you know, evidence right now, we can get some really good data about how are people working? Is the setup that they have at home working for them? Where where is it lacking? What's not working well? This is how we're finding out that the real deficits are in, you know, learning, socialization and human connection, because that's what people are reporting Mm -hmm. in this situation. The, you know, Zoom meetings, yes, I can collaborate, I can get my tasks done. Um, you know, that's that's working pretty well, depending on your home setup. But the other, the softer side and the connected side of what we, what, how we thrive really at work, that's what's um, the lacking in this situation. And that yeah. the rush to return really is around that. Like, I think you asked a question earlier about the, you know, what does returning look like and what's driving it? I think even though we can get work done and we're productive, there's there's this loss of fidelity that started to happen. For, I'll say for us 
uh, here right after Memorial Day. And I think, you know, that you hit kind of that 90-day window of this, and we just are fatigued. We're fatigued with the uncertainty. We're fatigued with the situation. And so it's like, let's get on with it. Let's move forward. Moving, Going back to the workplace would mean things are moving forward. So some of it is that mm-hmm. psychological you know, issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I do too. I do too. I really do. I feel like the first few months, everyone was... Um, I mean, I guess I can only speak for for our workplace in the in the newsroom, but everyone wanted to be as productive as they could possibly be and were and and then some, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do feel like, you know, as as we do more of this, as we work from home with our kids and our pets and our parents and whomever, there, there is a pretty strong feeling of fatigue and but going back to the office would feel like progress. Yes. Like it would make it I feel can, like things are moving and not paused. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. We, we actually had a, a meeting this morning, the Chronicle had, mm-hmm. you know, their, their monthly town hall meeting and, and the, the president of the company top addressed this and, and said, you know, because of the, the spike in cases, because of the high percentage of the positivity testing rate, we're not pushing this. We're not going to come back anytime soon. And in one sense, that felt really good. Okay, there's not going to be any pressure. But then in another sense, it was like, okay, more of the same. And one thing that did come up that I imagine is starting to come up elsewhere is, is the cost, mm-hmm. the costs associated with this. And now this is potentially a, a major cost savings opportunity for a company. Yes. But that means if the company is scaling back their physical office space, letting more people work from home or remotely or wherever that may be, it sort of shifts the costs to the employees. Mm -hmm. And today there was a a question, is there going to be any sort of allowance for Mm -hmm. internet service or furniture or, or things like that. I mean, wow. Would I love to like build a room onto my house and expense the company? That would be so perfect because we are lacking, um, we are lacking space. Are you hearing companies talk about that as well? And, and what do you think some of the solutions might be for that? Yes, it's so, yeah, it's this, this is going to cause us to question and have to solve for things that we didn't you know, as, as business leaders weren't having to solve for in the past. Mm -hmm. And it's such a good point. And I'll just say for us, we are in the same, same situation right now. Our office is open by appointment. If you need to go work there or need to go retrieve something, you, it is open. We have set it up uh, safely. We've got protocols. Everybody understands the protocols, but no order of magnitude. We have very limited capacity just to control the safety level of it. And I also don't think we will be back in a meaningful way before January, really, as we enter school season, which is not going to be normal. Their school children are going to be at home. That's going to, you know, cause the working, you know, parent population to have challenges with even getting to the office. Then we're going to hit the election and the holidays. And I mean, so many things are going to going to rock our world that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try to make a big push. So I totally agree with that. On the other hand, though, so we don't have people commuting. We don't have people parking their cars. So we don't need parking spaces. We aren't really using our office, but we're it's there waiting for us when we're ready to come back. Yet people need, and, and 
the other thing that kind of happened at that 90 day window was people realizing like, I probably should get a good chair. Uh, I need a monitor. I need a real camera, you know? So there was in the, as we, when we first did this, we really thought it was temporary. So we, we weren't, you know, initially investing and setting up a real, you know, home working Mm -hmm. work setting. Now, with where it looks like this will be a much more permanent, um, even if we're moving in and out uh, situation, or perhaps it's just part of our work two days at home and two days in the office and one day, you know, at a third place or a client site. So we are going to have to address what are the tools and how are we going to outfit or help people have an appropriate work setting. And so several clients are working on allowances. Uh, some are working on just suggestions, recommendations for proper kind of chair. We've put together a, a package for our clients to share with their employees about with resources on, you know, if you want to sit stand table, what is that? You know, there's a big price range and capability functionality range of those. What are good ergonomic chairs? Um, even you know, uh, monitors and cameras really important. You know, so many people are working off of their laptops and depending on what kind you have, the camera's, you know, looking at a not very flattering angle at you and just, um, or not working at a desk, you know, people working at their kitchen tables or at the, you know, the kitchen bar. And it's really, it's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable for the body. It's not sustainable for the psyche either. Like this constant, like feeling like we're in limbo. So, mm-hmm. But that is definitely starting to happen. There will be programs for mm. kind of your home, your home setting, uh, or allowances to spend, like you mentioned, uh, you know, upgrading your broadband if you if you need if you spend a lot of time on on calls like this where you need mm-hmm. good broadband. <laughs> yeah, I have an unrelated question. So I'm just curious because you mentioned one of the things your campuses were trying to create was like spontaneity, collisions, conversations that lead to you know in unexpected directions. And right now we can have, we can very easily plan interactions, but spontaneity is like what we're all missing. And uh, I have definitely felt this. I was actually um, driving, I was going to Levy Park to have like a socially distanced picnic. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited to see multiple people. But at the same time, I just felt like heavy. And I was just like, because it was just, it took so much work and so much planning. And I was just like, I feel like I should be more happy. And I actually felt like I was mourning and I was like, why, why do I feel this way? And I think it's because I was mourning the spontaneity of interactions. And just because you work with a bunch of different clients, have you seen anyone come up with some sort of, I want to say proxy, but that's not quite the word, some sort of approximation of that? Oh, another really good question. And I just, I feel as you were describing that, I was like, I feel i the word mourning was a really good word because yeah. I think we have, we're, we're losing so much of our humanness in what's, what we're kind of being forced to adapt to. And so now what we're doing is looking for ways to kind of insert that humanness back into mm-hmm. our, our day. So I was speaking to a, a, a CEO last week who it, he has a great story. He, in the work from home situation, he had a literally a notepad with a list of 20 people that he intentionally connected with spontaneously, meaning not, I didn't schedule a meeting with them, but made sure he talked to these 20 people every single day. Everybody was working from home. They've since started their re-entry to their office and, um, and they're at about 50% capacity um, and they're on the West Coast. And he said, you know, my list, 
I kind of, I, I, I kind of fell out of the routine because I'm back in the office and now that can just happen. He, he said, but it wasn't happening. I was sitting in my office doing email and, you know, days would go by and those, those 20 people that it was really important for me to connect with just on the fly just wasn't happening. He said, so now I've had to create that same intentionality that I did in the work from home setting in the physical environment. And so what that tells me is that we're, we're going to have to program in that intentionality of, of spontaneity, of less planned. And it's actually something that we're working on, this idea of a digital practice and how, and how we can help with the behaviors, the human behaviors that will make this digital environment that we're, that we're in work better and work to some degree like it works in the physical environment. And just that story right there, I think, tells you that you have to be intentional in both arenas. We can't sit here and wait to get back to the office because it might be a while. So we can't put that part of our, our life on hold any longer. We need to build it into this, this setting that we're in. And so, and it's really mindset and behavior. Clearly, I'm not going to design your home office so that you can be spontaneous. What we're going to design is the behaviors and how you calendar things or allow things to happen on your calendar, like leave windows on your calendar. Here's another thing we're not doing very well right now either, leaving breaks in the calendar. We're just back to back to back to back Zoom and the, the video exhaustion at the end of the day. I mean, we're just, we're, you know, our brains are, are mush because we're not, we're not allowing for those uh, moments that we would have allowed for in the physical environment. Just get up and walk away or end a meeting mm-hmm. early so that you can, you can have those breaks. So I think it, we're going to be really working on behavior, mindset, and really sort of being intentional about how to capture those, those human interactions that are so, so important to us. And it's going to be such a challenge. And, and the, the term change management, I think the very first time I heard that term was, was from someone at PDR. Uh, Cause I remember you guys yeah. had this new department or something. This was years ago or, mm-hmm. or new, or new form of consulting called change management. And I, I remember thinking, what is that? And then, and, you know, it was very much of the time. I mean, it was when companies were getting away from offices and, and just putting everyone in, you know, one big open space. And I feel like that is going to be so important now because when we, when we do go back to work, it's not going to be the same right away. And, you know, we're not going to, in a lot of cases, I think people that have already gone back to work have gone have gone in and they get their temperature checked and they have to wear a mask and they're not encouraged to use the lunchroom or the refrigerator and things like that. And so I've heard you talk about this before, Lori, where it's people are not going to want to go back to a sterile hospital like environment. I think you have used those exact words. And Mm -hmm. I thought that's so true. And I think that's kind of, Rebecca, what you Mm -hmm. felt (laughs) meeting your friends so much. You, you know, you built up this whole thing, you know, to get everyone to get there and, and meet together. And this is how you were going to sit. And this is who was going to bring mm-hmm. what, but you're not going to be able to hug each other and you're not going to be able to get close to each other. You're going to have to be very cognizant. Of yeah. Where and you how sit. are you going to share food? And it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, just so much um, anxiety. And, and so mm-hmm. um, anyway, I, I, I think that that, that whole change management is is going to be so important going forward and it's mm-hmm. going to be a balance you know you don't want to rush to bring people back because you don't want to bring them back to this terrible environment and and of course we're talking mostly about the white collar workforce here but but then again you don't want to just let every want to let everyone you know drift off into their own silo it's 
No, you're so right. I mean, I think the human behavior side of this and the helping everybody understand the new opportunity. So our, our approach to change management is really to, to not just help people process what is changing and understand it and accept it, which is, which is sort of the traditional approach to change management. Our approach is help every single individual in the organization understand their opportunity in this change, whatever it is, and have the ability to to really leverage into it and 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 find something great about it for them and unleash their potential and move themselves forward. That's that's the real that's the holy grail in change management is that people see and you don't have to like what's happening to be able to nobody likes what's happening right now with this pandemic. I mean it's rocking our world in a major way. But if you can look up from the the moment and think about well where's the opportunity in it. So there's lots of opportunity in what we're learning. There's lots of opportunity in the new reality. You, you just have to get past what's happening right now and think about what does this mean for the future? And that's what we try to help individuals do is really see there's a real opportunity to be more, to be all that I want to be, to, to really make a difference and bring value to this organization that has hired me. Uh, most organizations make changes to benefit their people, not all, but I'll say most. And we just have to help them find it, find what that is and and help them do something with it. That's great. We started the conversation talking about the big Exxon campus. Mm-hmm. And so this is a this is a question I'm going to ask you to to wildly speculate. Take us to the campus a year from now, assuming there's been a successful vaccine that's readily available. What does it look like over there on those 400 acres? Is is everyone back? Well, let's see. Let's let's take a like a venture into the future and see <laughs> see what could be. Yeah. So my hope would be that many people are are back and that it has been transformed into a more um, a campus for innovation, uh, so that they've leveraged that flexible platform to open up spaces to be more focused on the together and the collaborative and the innovative and less on the individual, and it's perfectly set up to do that. And that the day in the life of every individual there is very, very fluid and they're in and out of more spaces. You know, nobody sits in their assigned box, whether it's an office or a workstation all day, every day, because the reason that they're there is to come together and get mind share together and brainstorms together and really, really, and I do wish this for energy, really move us forward in terms of the energy industry and the business that could be in and the change it could make in the world. So that would be my hope that, yes, that it's not a ghost town, that they didn't leave it behind because everybody can work from home just fine, that it really is vibrant, great human energy, great thinking happens there. People want to work for the company because of the environment they get to work in with the people that they get to work with. And truly, I wish that for every organization, that that you've got that magnet. And since talent is so critical, so critical to organizational success, and we know place really plays into um, how people connect to a brand, to an organization, and to their to their colleagues. That that would be my hope: is that workplaces everywhere are vibrant with human energy. They are innovation centers. They are every organization is just knocking it out of the park. <laughs> oh, great! The world needs that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a great outcome. <laughs> All right. Well. With that, Lori, thank you so, so much for being here and and sharing your knowledge about the workplace. Thank you so much, Nancy and Rebecca. So good to be here. Fun to talk about. Yeah, great to have you.
And listeners, thank you for being here as well. Looped In is hosted by me, Nancy Sarnoff, and Rebecca Schutz. As always, if you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out to us. We are on Facebook or Twitter. I am at Sarnoff, and Rebecca is at R.A. Schutz. Please subscribe to Looped In if you don't already and tell a friend about us. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Or you can check out HoustonChronicle.com slash podcasts to find out more about Looped In and the Chronicle's other shows. Thanks to Scott Kingsley and Afshar Karat. And thanks to all the kimonos for our theme music. Until next time, thanks for listening. 